Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code RADIO20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. Live from our nation's capital. All talk here in Washington, D.C. turns to President-elect Joe Biden's administration. Speaker Pelosi has beat the political odds and reclaimed the gavel. We're talking right now about 2024 jockeying amongst Republicans. Bloomberg Sound Off. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. Biden has promised again and again that he will unite the country. The only way things happen is if Republicans and Democrats work together. Unfortunately for President-elect Biden, this is a time when he's getting the most support he's going to get in the Democratic Party. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg Radio. My name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the chief Washington correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. Democratic pressure is building to oust President Trump while President-elect Joe Biden taps the brakes. Meanwhile, GOP Senator Lisa Murkowski has called on President Trump to resign as House Speaker Nancy Pelosi held a caucus telephone call earlier today in which they discussed everything from 25th Amendment to how to get the president to resign to calls for impeachment. We have every angle covered, but we begin tonight with an exclusive interview with centrist Republican Governor of Maryland, Larry Hogan. Governor, welcome back to my program. Thank you for coming on it. What do you think is the best course of action for the country and the executive branch? Well, uh, first of all, thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. I, this, uh, I said yesterday, uh, when I was asked about this, that I really did believe that it was best for the country if the president would uh, would resign or leave office uh, and that Mike Pence uh, could lead an orderly transition of power to until we get the inauguration and get the President Biden sworn in. Now, you know, I, I know there's lots of speculation about what should happen, how it might happen. Uh, you know, I'm I'm busy out here in the state of Maryland trying to uh, trying to deal with um, the COVID crisis right now, not part of the inner workings of what's happening in Washington. So I can't, <clears throat> can't tell you what the latest is, but you're, I'm sure you know, you're more up on it than I am. But I do believe uh, that it would be good for the country to heal and, and if we could uh, move on. I, I don't know how they're going to get any, something really done over the next uh, t- 12 days or whatever it is. Uh, but I think uh, it would be uh, smart if the president would step aside and let Mike Pence conduct the orderly transition. Governor, when I've been talking to sources throughout the day, including sources within the White House, there's this concern, really, that it, that exists about what might happen between now and inauguration. Do you share some of the concerns that Republicans have raised, both quietly and publicly, about about what could happen between now and inauguration day? Well, you know, I've been concerned. Obviously, the uh, the events uh, uh, of Wednesday uh, shocked uh, the, the the world, and uh, you know, we're in a much different place than we were. Uh, but but we've had kind of this strange, uh, you know, bizarro world for a couple of months, uh, where things that you didn't imagine could be happening were happening. Um, I, I never thought I'd see a day like that. Uh, this could happen in America, but. Uh, 
you know, there's no telling. I mean, I, I just don't know what's going on inside the mind of the president um, or, or what's going on inside the White House. But it seems to be um, a, a really perilous uh, situation. And uh, I, I think it's a time we all we really need uh, to be cautious and cooler heads prevail. And that's why I, I thought it was it was best to try to uh, get things under control. You know, and I, and I think this is important, folks, and we're talking with Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland and, and what you mentioned about, as you've been clear in your position over the last 24 hours in calling on President Trump to resign. I spoke with one source connected to the White House today uh, who works with cabinet-level officials who uh, told me about the Constitution's 25th Amendment and how that is actually enacted uh, a lot of the in the in the current social media environment that we live in, it's important to actually read the Constitution. So, from your perspective, Governor, as a scholar, so to speak, is is the Twenty Fifth Amendment the right course of action given the limited number of days that are left between now and January twentieth? Well, uh, first of all, thanks for calling me a scholar, but I'm pretty far <laughs> from that. But, uh... <laughs> um, you know, that's what I was saying. I'm not sure. I, I believe the best uh, action, the best way to handle it would be for the president to resign, uh, because I'm not sure whether really in the short period of time that we have that any other method is, is possible or doable. I mean, look, it's uh, I, I, I'm not sure whether they have the time to get it done. Uh, I, you know, they're talking about, you know, they're talking about impe- impeachment proceedings. I mean, look, this can, that can't get done that fast. We've been trying for eight and a half months to get a, a, a COVID relief bill that was desperately needed uh, through the Congress. Um, I, I, I just think, uh, you know, my dad was on the House Judiciary Committee and the first Republican to come out for Nixon's impeachment. And uh, right after his uh, vote uh, is when Nixon decided to resign the presidency. And it, you know, as bad as Watergate was, the, the president had the the the, the, uh, piece, the the state of mind where he knew it was the right thing for the country, and uh, and he and he stepped aside. I'm sure it was the hardest thing he, he had to do, but it was the right thing for the country, and I think it's the same thing that the President Trump ought to do. Governor, uh, Speaker Pelosi uh, as well, it's looking like they're inching closer toward impeachment proceedings. And I I really don't like to do this as a journalist, but I got to ask you in a hypothetical situation, because you are a leader of the Republican Party. Do you support impeachment? Well, of course, I don't have a vote on impeachment, but if uh, if that's the uh, I don't vote in the Congress, uh, but uh, if that's the if that's the position that the, if the Republicans in the House and the Senate are willing uh, to take that step and that's the only way it's going to happen, then then I would be uh, supportive of their actions. So you think that if impeachment similar to Nixon were to signal, as you mentioned with your father, were to signal uh, a move for the president to resign, that that would be the right course of action? Well, I think him to resign would be the right course of action, but I'm not sure that's going to happen. And I'm not sure an impeachment or 25th Amendment is going to happen either. I think the most likely outcome is that uh, we're going to spend the next 12 days kind of uh, 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 hoping that things go smoothly. And uh, Joe Biden is going to be sworn in on January 20th. All right. And and let's uh, there's been a lot of talk over the last couple of days and you've you've uh, talked about the the situation with National Guard uh, being sent to Washington, D.C. and what happened. But just give us the chronology of what happened on Wednesday with sending uh, support to the nation's capital. 
Sure. Well, it was a, a surreal uh, kind of uh, day. We were busy, bu- busy day. We focused on, uh, you know, vaccines and uh, COVID crisis. And I was planning to do uh, an, an economic uh, uh, relief announcement. And uh, I was on a Zoom with the Japanese ambassador uh, having a teleconference when my chief of staff walked in uh, and uh, informed me that the uh, U.S. Capitol was under attack. Uh, and I, I, you know, I didn't wasn't watching television. I was in the middle of meetings. Um, so I, I excused myself from that uh, call with the ambassador immediately, and uh, I convened my entire security team, my senior staff, our Homeland Security Advisor, Superintendent of the Maryland State Police, uh, the, the Adjutant General, the Maryland National Guard, and brought them all in. We got assembled everybody within, you know, five minutes, either on the phone or in person. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, uh, I, I talked with the mayor of D.C., who was requesting uh, assistance, and uh, I, I sent our entire mobile field force of uh, more than 200 uh, specially trained and armed Maryland police directly into the city. Uh, and I told the National uh, Guard, uh, our adjutant general, to immediately call up 500 members of the Maryland National Guard and have them uh, ready to deploy. Uh, while these discussions are going on, I get a call uh, from uh, Spenny Hoyer, uh, who says to me that he's in a, a bunker or in some undisclosed location in a room with Speaker Pelosi and with Chuck Schumer, and he's uh, you know pleading with me uh, for help because the Capitol Police have been overrun. Uh, they don't see they they don't have uh, any federal help, and he's asking me. Uh, he's you know he's a he's a leader of Congress, but he's, he's a Maryland con- uh, represents Maryland in the. He calls me as the Maryland governor next door to say, can you send the police and the National Guard? And I, so I, I told him the Maryland State Police were already en route and should be there shortly. And then I had deployed the guard. But I, we did, you know, we could not send the guard into D.C. without the approval of the of the uh, secretary of defense. Most usually a governor with the neighboring governor could do that. But the mayor of D.C. does not have control of the guard. Only the secretary of defense does. So, uh uh, it was a kind of a crazy uh, back and forth uh, with uh, uh, Hoyer yelling across the room to uh, the Schumer, who uh, you know back and forth about we don't have uh, authorization, and uh, our generals are running it up the flagpole at the Pentagon and to the National Guard Bureau in Washington, saying, uh, "Can do we have approval? No, <laughs> you know, do, do we have confirmation yet? No," uh, and that was back and forth for quite a while. Um, finally, about an hour and a half. Later, I'm still in all these decision-making processes. The guard is fully mobilized. Uh, the, the, the state police are already defending the Capitol. Uh, and uh, I get a call from the um, Secretary of the Army, Ryan McCarthy, who, uh, who said, uh, gave us the authorization. And uh, the Maryland National Guard immediately rolled into the city. We were the first, uh, first guard there. As you recount that, there's questions about who should be held responsible for the events that occurred. What should the consequences be? I asked you about the 25th Amendment resignation. You made your, you made your position very clear. But in, in the judicial branch, what role should the judicial branch play here? Uh, is there charges that should be brought uh, against individuals who maybe incited this? And, and who do you think those individuals are? Uh, yeah, I, I, I really don't. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I, you mean incited the uh, insurrection at the Capitol? Yeah. Yeah. Do yeah, you no, think Rudy Giuliani, members of the first family, President Trump, should there be should they bear responsibility for this, not just through the media, but through legal action? 
Well, that's for uh, for the courts to decide. There's no question that uh, I think it's pretty clear that the, the president and, and, and many uh, uh, people close to him did, uh, you know, were responsible for inciting this mob. Uh, but I, I, you know, I'm not a lawyer and I'm not a judge. I'm, I'm sure these are going to be decisions that are going to be looked at. I'm sure there's going to be investigations into uh, who these people were, uh, how they got into the Capitol. Uh, you know, where was the security or the Capitol Police? Uh, you know, there's a whole lot of unanswered questions. You know, look, this just happened two days ago. Right now, we've got to get a peaceful transition of power. That's what I'm mostly focused on, where there's going to be after-action reports, and we're going to have to figure out a lot of answers to a lot of questions. Uh, people, responsible, people responsible for this outrageous uh, attack on our democracy are, are going to have to answer uh, for these uh, for these uh, it, these charges, uh, but right right now my goal is uh, I'm, I have I have the 500 members of the Maryland National Guard staying in Washington through the through the inauguration and try to keep you peace do. And, and to keep uh, and keep uh, the inauguration uh, safe and to assist with the peaceful transition of power. Uh, and uh, I know uh, I was glad to see that Vice President Pence said he's going to be at the inaugural. I, I will as well. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're, we're going to do everything we can to, to make sure that our democracy functions the way it, it, it always does and, and always shall. Hi, I'm Ron Krzyzewski, chairman and CEO of Stiefel. Financial advisors, if you're not growing your practice, you're losing market share. Stiefel is a growing entrepreneurial advisor-centric firm built for successful advisors like you. Imagine having the resources of the largest wirehouses and the support of the boutique shops, but none of the bureaucracy to get in the way of you serving your clients. At Stiefel, it's your business, your book, your clients. I always tell the advisors we're recruiting, I want you to come to Stiefel and double or triple your business. Most of them laugh and shake their heads, but I'm serious. Don't take it from me. Take it from Stiefel's number one finish in J.D. Power's 2023 U.S. Financial Advisor Satisfaction Study. So, there's a reason why 148 financial advisors joined Stiefel last year. Come join us and find out why Stiefel is the firm where success meets success. Visit www.choosestifel.com. Stiefel Nicholas and Company Incorporated, member SIPC and NYSE. Just to reset here, folks, my name is Kevin Cirilli. I'm the Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and for Bloomberg Radio. We have a great guest who's uh, to, to start things off, Governor Chris Christie is going to join me uh, in the next half hour. But Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland is with us. He is a Republican. And I want to talk about the economy, but just to continue talking about the events uh, of today uh, or of, of this week, rather. Um, and and as you as an elected official try to put in perspective not just the horrific nature of the attack on the Capitol uh, earlier this week, but political violence, sir, as a whole that has been occurring around the world here in the United States. It feels that it's increased uh, and the pace of it has increased. And from a policy standpoint, how do we get back to a place in our democracy where that, isn't, where that problem isn't exacerbated? Well, that's a, it's an excellent question. I mean, the, what, what, this was sort of a pinnacle of uh, uh, this is something that we never we we never imagined could happen in America, uh, but it's been building for quite some time. And the 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 anger uh, and divisiveness, uh, the inflamed rhetoric on both the right and the left uh, and on social media 
uh, you know, it's been increasing at an exponential uh, pace in, the, in America and across the world. And we've all got to figure out what to do about this. It's something, you know, I've built a, my entire career on, uh, you know, I'm only, I'm a lifetime, lifelong business guy, but I've been governor for six years. This will be my third president now coming in in those six years. Um, but I, I uh, have preached uh, every day for six years uh, uh, that we need to get to a more civil dialogue uh, and to a more uh, I, that I want to end the toxic uh, politics that we have in this country and to try to find a way. We have we have disagreements uh, and we 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 have you know different strong differences of opinion, but we have to get to the a point where we can uh, we can try to find that middle ground where we can all stand together. We have to find a way to come up with bipartisan common sense solutions. We have to find a way to disagree. Uh, without turning the other side into uh, enemies or, or questioning their patriotism or attacking them and calling them names uh, on social media, and uh, that's, it's something I'm gonna I'm gonna spend a lot of time uh, working on because I think it's critically important uh, for the nation. I remember I remember uh, over the summer when I went down to Annapolis from Washington D.C. to interview you. It was right at the beginning, really, of or the first beginnings of of the lockdowns and the and the pandemic and whatnot and i interviewed you on the lawn uh of the maryland state capitol uh governor hogan and we talked about this this theme and 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 sort of the themes of your career and and where the republican party goes uh from here and so i'll ask you a similar question now as you weigh your political future and the choices difficult life-changing choices that you're going to have to make sir uh, in the next two years, how did the events of this week, the events of this year, weigh into your decision-making process about whether to seek the highest office in America? Well, you know, this is something that uh, it's just the wrong time to be thinking about what happens in 2024 when we haven't even finished the 2020 election. No, I one. hear you. I uh, hear you. Number two, you know. We, we're in the middle of these twin crises before this happened, before this attack at the very heart of our democratic republic. We were, we're fighting the worst, um, the, the worst global pandemic of our lifetime and, and with, with deaths escalating. And we're trying to figure out a way to, uh, you know, vaccinate hundreds of millions of people. And uh, so I'm focused, I, I'm very focused on my, very important job as governor of the state of Maryland. It's been a key role in past year leading the nation's governors through this pandemic. We're still in the middle of that. And, and I'm not trying to dodge the question. I'm just telling you that, uh, you know, I'm still governor of, of this state until January of 2023. And I, I plan on, you know, really focusing my efforts on giving this job everything I've got every single day, because we have to, to get through this crisis and to save lives and to and put our economic health back on track, get our economic recovery going and save small businesses and put people back to work. And so there'll be plenty of time to worry about politics. Uh, but, but I do want to be a big part of the uh, discussion about where we go, both for the Republican Party uh, and, and where we go as a nation. So, you know, I'm, I'm not going away. Uh, I'm going to continue to do everything I can. Uh, I'm focused on my state, but I'm going to I'm going to speak up and speak out and, and do everything I can to try to put the country back on the right track. 
No, I, I don't take that as a dodge. I take it as an honest assessment about the moment of where we are. And I think too many in the media ask those questions as if it's a box to check and, and don't really explore the real implications that the and the severity of what that question really represents. Do you, sir, think enough members of your party are willing to have this conversation along with you? Well, I, uh, you know, that's... Uh, that's the what we're, we're going to find out. You know, I um, I have been uh, a lot of people are at the point now where they're a different place where they were last week. Uh, I'm exactly where I've always been, and haven't changed uh, or moved to a single place from where I've been. Uh, but a lot of people have turned around 180 degrees in the past couple of days. Um, I, look, I I think there are most people in America uh, really want uh, to figure out a way. Uh, for people to work together and, and solve the problems. And most people in America are disgusted with the divisive, angry politics and the dysfunction of Washington that we see. Uh, really, uh, not, not, not just what's going on right now, but what's been going on for years and on both sides of the aisle. And, you know, I think there, we have to go in another direction. I mean, my party, for example, the Republican Party has to decide, uh, or, you know, I, 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 I can't grew up. Uh, you know, I was involved in. Uh, I was a youth for Reagan chairman. Uh, I mean, I I, I want to see us return to a to a more Reagan esque, you know, bigger tent, uh, more hopeful, positive message kind of a party. Other people want to continue heading in the direction of Donald Trump. Um, that it, it, maybe uh, a week ago, uh, you know, there weren't as many people willing to think or talk the way I was, but today there seemed to be a lot more. And you know what? There are people all throughout the country, uh, Governor Hogan's with us, uh, who uh, members of the middle class who are, are watching the news, watching the horrific uh, images of the attack on the Capitol. And they're thinking, what about me and my job? You know, what about my family and the conversations pertaining to yeah. uh, helping families? And I know you want to talk about the economy and we, we had the news of the week to get through. So now let's turn to to what President-elect yeah. Joe Biden had to say about his proposal, because he says he has a stimulus package price tag that will be quote unquote high. I've got sound on this, so I want to play for it now and then get your reaction to President-elect Biden's uh, economic stimulus proposal. Here he is. It will be in the trillions of dollars, the entire package. But it will be, I'll be here next Thursday laying out in detail how that package is going to go. But the basic story is simple, that if we don't act now, things are going to get much worse and harder to get out of the hole later. So we have to invest now. Governor Hogan, do we need much more stimulus? Do we need the $2,000 checks? What would you like to see in the next round of economic relief to help these families across the country who are trying to keep their head above the water? Well, you know, first of all, I, I tend to agree in, in, in general. I, I, that's first I heard, you know, I've been busy doing other things, didn't even hear his proposal today until you displayed that. But I haven't seen the details of it, obviously. But um, there's no question we need more economic stimulus. And I've been pushing for that uh, as the chairman of the, of the governors uh, for quite some time. We did get a, uh, a, a slim package passed through. I'm now the chairman of No Labels, which is the group that uh, started the Problem Solvers Caucus made up of Democrats and Republicans and the House and the Senate working together, and they're the ones that were responsible for finally getting uh, the leaders of both parties together to get a package done. Uh, but it wasn't enough. And uh, and so, you know, I welcome the opportunity. I, the, uh, President Biden has reached out a couple of times already to the, to the executive committee of the uh, NGA uh, and, and to all of the governors. We've had a couple of discussions. He says he wants to work together with uh, Republicans in a bipartisan way. He wants to reach across the aisle. Uh, I think there is, you know, while we're, I'm sure there are going to be differences of opinion about specifics, 
uh, the idea that uh, we need to help people get through this uh, pandemic and to get uh, to get to the other side, it's going to take uh, it's going to take some stimulus uh, if we want to keep businesses alive, keep individuals uh, you know supported through this thing. And look, we're going to come out of this uh, stronger and better than ever. You know, when it, when the, when we finally get enough of vaccines out there and we finally beat this virus, the, the economy is going to come roaring back. Uh, it's just getting from here to there, and uh, and if we don't get some help out to people. Uh, an awful lot of people are are, are going to be uh, you know losing their homes and losing their businesses and uh, uh, we've lost the, the job loss uh, has just been horrific and while you know it, uh, there may be encouraging signs uh, you know on Wall Street uh, you know the Main Street is still suffering pretty bad. Governor, I got to be candid. I go back to the conversation I had with you in Annapolis over the summer because I talked to Republicans who say that who tell me, Kev. Aid for state governments right now is a bailout on uh, taxpayers on the hook. You, sir, have been very consistent that you've said that more money is needed for the states. Do you feel confident that the party will will go in your direction uh, for these next round of economic relief talks? Yes, I think that they will. So we uh, it it really was uh, the the president primarily was the one that was against giving money to the states. And he convinced the. uh, you know, some folks in the Senate to uh, to 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 stay where he was. But we had a we had a uh, at one point and it, it sort of fell apart the coalition. But I had I had a, a nearly unanimous uh, approval of all the nation's governors uh, to go down and push for this. We we almost had it. We had it on the on the on the uh, five yard line about to push it over, uh, and then it got off track for eight and a half months with uh, with the Senate and the House and the White House all fighting. And finally, with the no labels and the Problem Solvers Caucus, we got part of it back on track, but no, uh, no aid to the state. Uh, we, we, we got some help, much needed help, and we're grateful for it. And uh, we, we thank the guys who worked hard to get it done. But we have to come back. I mean, we're on the front lines providing, uh, you know, tremendous resources to try to help our states and our populations and our business communities survive. And so uh, the, the one big one of the big things that was missing was the no no aid to the state and local governments. And we're, we're going to have to get that on track. But mo- but more importantly, we got to get the money in the hands of struggling uh, Americans and, and struggling uh, small businesses. And Governor and so Hogan, get- I'm I'm not going to take it personally that you just uh, made a football analogy because your Baltimore Ravens are are doing better yeah. than my Philadelphia Eagles fared well, uh, this well, season. Well, I won't rub it in that the Eagles aren't quite up to par with the oh. Ravens, but then, then again, not too many teams are. Oh, wow. Look at that. In the 30 seconds I have left for you, why do you remain hopeful? Quickly, quickly, because I'm up against an out. I, you know, I really believe that uh, we've reached the turning point. Uh, I, I believe that, the, that we're going to learn from this and move forward. I think a lot of people are going to work toward uh, making America a yeah. better place and returning some civility. Thank you for having me today. Anytime. Governor Hogan, thank you so much. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg TV and Radio. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at CarterEconomicForum.com.